wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. To another episode of Auto Off Topic. Hello, Brad. How are you? Andrew, I am existing. How are you? Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, that's that's a thing. That's a feeling existing. Yeah. I guess it depends on which subject we're talking about, because I don't want to sit here and be like, everything's hunky-dory, because, you know, there's some annoyances right now, mostly car-related. So most things are okay, but... Uh, you know, cars are broken. So yeah, it is what but it is. Really, is it? It's just the eclipse, really. That's like broken, broken. It is just the eclipse. Well, I mean, it's just the eclipse that's broken, broken. That wasn't broken, broken before, because there's plenty of cars that are still broken, broken. Yeah. So if you want to get down to it, there's still a one Cressida, one Starion, and one Toyota pickup that are way more broken than even the Starion, I think. The Eclipse, I mean, I think. So, who knows? But yes, yes, the Eclipse is, is what I'm currently down on the dumps about. So, it's fine. It's fine. It's uh, fall into winter here in Phoenix. So, having the uh, functioning car with deep tinted windows and air conditioning isn't that important, I guess. So, it's time to drive the older the older, less climate-controlled stuff, just based on what time of year it is. So that's okay. It's fine. Also, it's Thanksgiving week, so I should be thankful that I have 12 other cars to drive. Yeah, you do. You should be. All those cars. Yeah. So Plus, you don't even have to worry about a daily anymore, so be thankful for that. Can I talk about that for a second? Actually, sure. it's kind of annoying. Oh, really? Yeah. So you think it's going to be like, oh, it's great. Now I have this company car. Uh, that's, yeah. that's why I don't have to have a daily. I have a company car. Uh, I think I've maybe mentioned it in passing. I got to talk about that car too, because I have a new, new company car that I've had for two weeks now. So I have some driving impressions here. Um, you get a company car and you're like, yeah, I got a company car. I'm going to save all this wear and tear on my cars. So my job, my office is in my house. Yeah. So I don't drive to an office. Company car is at my house, which is the number one annoyance because I don't have a lot of extra space for more cars because I have so many garbage old ones. And the annoyance to me is I have this company car. My office is at my house. I get up in the morning. I start working my office. Then I go out from site to site to do my estimating. 
and then I come home in the company car. So I'm not driving any of my cars. I'm just driving this company car. Okay. So I have all these cars that I used to try to like cycle them out. Like I'd have my one normal car that I drove all the time and then have to like, I cycle in the other cars now and again and use them just to keep them going. But I can't use my own car for my job. So I can't do that. So I just find myself driving this. This is going to sound like a real, <laughs> real baby problem here. I'm having a hard time driving this brand spanking new Toyota that I'm given that doesn't cost me a dime every day and gas is free. Um, yeah, it sounds like a you problem. I really want to drive my whole garbage, but I don't know. I, I'm at, at this stage in, in, in life, like I don't go a lot of places like you have the weekends. Do a lot of things. Yeah. I have the weekends, but then there's other stuff always going on the weekends and I don't know. I'm just not using my cars right now. And it's weird. Like, and I, I haven't had a chance to eat, to ride the motorcycle since like two weeks ago when I did that, that long off road ride. It's just like, I haven't had a chance to use everything, and uh, I don't know. It's a it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because I guess it's it's saving me money on a daily. I don't need a daily because I don't I don't rely on my own car to get to work. But at the same time, it's like it's a burden to the enthusiast side of me because it's making me not use my cars. So I, I guess maybe I just need to start doing drives for the sake of taking a drive, but must be just a, a a new way of thinking I have to get into so yeah anyway I have a uh, I have a brand new Toyota Camry Andrew yeah what color is it uh well it's silver it's uh okay it's better than white better than beige it's actually a pretty no. nice silver it's a pretty heavy flake so it looks pretty fancy so not a tan cam it's not a tan cam um, it's not a base model, but it's almost a base model. Okay. So it's trimmed like a base model, but it's a hybrid. I've had it now for two weeks. I've driven it every day, Monday through Friday for those two weeks. Uh, I think I've done 250 miles or so. Uh, and the fuel gauge just started moving today. So that's kind of cool. Not that it matters, because again, I don't pay for fuel, but it is still kind of fun to hmm. see how much you can hypermile it, right? Um, it pretty much doesn't get turned off all day and doesn't use any fuel, because as you're driving and regenning, when you stop the car and you're idling, you're not actually idling. The car's off and the AC is running on the battery. Yeah. So until it gets below like 50%, then the engine will cycle back on again. But uh, I'm averaging 50 miles a gallon in this thing which is pretty dang impressive, <laughs> I think. So they basically turned uh, Camrys into a Prius. They basically turned a Prius into a Camry, yep. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's essentially the same driveline. So therefore, it's much more appealing probably to more people. Normal people, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was looking up the price. Um, they're not really cheap, but they're also not really expensive in their market share, I guess. Um, they start at like 36.5 for the hybrid model. It's Which very expensive. It is very expensive? Okay. It, it's not very expensive when you look at the price of other cars. 
I know. Uh, I, I guess we bought. So we we bought that brand new Maverick. What two months ago now? And we paid twenty eight thousand dollars for that. What's in a cord cost? I guess is it like a cord Camry is always the competitor. I guess. Um, but I know when we bought the Maverick, it was the cheapest hybrid on the market by a long shot. So uh, MSRP on a cord hybrid is thirty two thousand, and MSRP on a Camry hybrid is oh i apologize it's twenty eight thousand dollars so okay yeah so they're they're they're, they're both 30 grand say give or take so that feels a little better yeah so but where my i guess the the window sticker in mine is 30 almost 36 i don't know what options it has or doesn't have but it doesn't feel like it has any because it's got hubcaps number one I know that our Maverick for 28 grand has alloys. Um, the seats feel like the chairs at Fenway. Um, there's no padding at all. They are solid as a rock. Um, somehow they're not tremendously uncomfortable. You know, I'm, I'm in and out of it all day. I'd say I'm in it between the hours of like nine and two um and i'm in and out of it during those hours so i'm not just sitting in it all day like i'm not driving it for five hours straight but it's not tremendously uncomfortable but i also wouldn't call it comfortable the big thing that i notice now again i know the maverick is a quote-unquote economy vehicle right they start at 22 or 23 or something ours has the xlt package which gives you a few things one of which is a leather-wrapped steering wheel. I don't know if it's genuine leather or if it's like a synthetic leather, but it feels really nice to hold the steering wheel in the Maverick. The steering wheel in this Camry, you feel like you're driving a cheap piece of crap. And that, to me, is the biggest disappointment about this car because this is just such a normal, everybody buys this car. It's like default car car, right? Like... I would think that the basic touch point of the steering wheel would be a little bit nicer. Like the thin I, plastic steering wheel on my 80, my 80 um, Corolla feels nicer than this thing. I think because the cars last so long, maybe they've got harder wearing interior stuff. That's my off the cuff theory here. I don't know. It's not, it's not a great place to be. <laughs> this thing sounds like a, it sounds like a um, taxi cab spec. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is, like rental car, taxi cab. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a fleet car, right? So it's basically going to be yeah. a rental car. So, yeah. I mean, as as far as it drives, it drives nice. Uh it's quite quick comparatively to what I think it should be. Uh it's got a 2.5 liter four-cylinder uh compared coupled with the electric assist. So, in a situation where both of them are working like in congruence with one another, the thing it scoots pretty good. I mean, from a from zero, it's slow, but like that merging power, like when you're doing you know 10, 15 miles an hour off the on ramp, because we have the um, uh, the filtered on ramps here with the red lights and the green lights, so you wind up going pretty slow. So you wind up being pretty slow on the on ramp. When you when you accelerate from like fifteen or twenty to highway speed, it it scoots pretty quick. Um, so doesn't handle wonderful. I mean, again, I think I said the same thing about the the Nissan um, 
the rogue and the maverick and this like other than the touch points which the rogue and the maverick have much nicer touch points than this car if you put me in the car and just said what are you driving i just say i'm driving a new car because they all feel the same they all handle the same they all sound the same they all kind of have the same hollow feeling when you close the doors they all just kind of feel kind of feel the same so uh, I'm, I'm assuming that like the camry xls or xse or whatever the higher end end ones are with the with the bigger alloys and the fancier interiors i'm assuming they're much nicer because they're like 40 to 50 some odd grand but Whoa. i don't know yeah it, it is what it is for for a car it uh it does its job it costs me ze- exactly zero dollars a day so it's fine um yeah it is what it is uh camry trd oh i guess you're not hmm i thought they were way more money they're 35 grand that makes more sense oh, it's a 300 and 305 horsepower v6 which is pretty crazy actually <laughs> so all right maybe maybe i'm a camry guy now complaining about not having time to drive my old cars which is going to be a camry guy from now on so sounds like you are that's what it is but anyway that's my my new daily driven vehicle is a uh, toyota camry hybrid and the verdict is it's not terrible it's not great it's car so I know we have a friend of the show that has a Camry TRD and loves it, so mm. maybe I'm uh, be like your NASCAR driver. Turn the corner, I just get a full liveried out, like just get the full like. I can't even think of who drives a Camry right now, but just some dumb uh... stupid livery, <laughs> McDonald's livery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny Hamlin FedEx. There you go, full FedEx car. Just drive around town in a FedEx car. There's a Camaro mortgage company car around here. I think there's one in Massachusetts too. He's drive around all the time. Looks like a NASCAR, but it's so dumb. So, all right, enough Camry talk. Anyway, I don't drive my cars enough. That's the whole point. Yeah, I need to find a reason um, to drive more. Speaking of driving, and near you, I guess. Formula Un. Yeah, it just happened. Um, It's not like it's the only American race. There's no, it's not. Uh, Okay, so yeah, we are not huge F1 fans. We've made no secret of that. But I was like, all right, I'll watch. I'll bite. It's true. And I was like, when they're hyping it up, they're like, it's the first one in Vegas. I was like, I don't think it was. And then it, you know, later on, they're like, oh, yeah, they did it. 40 years ago, two years it's in a row. It's the first in... one on the Vegas Strip. Yes. That's 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 the it's the key. That's the that's the differentiator right there. There's been one in Vegas but it wasn't on the strip. So, that's the big difference. But yeah, it was a thing. Um there was a lot of pomp and circumstance for this event. I think there is in general for Formula 1. So I was talking to some friends, um, former guest and friend Ron, who's a giant Formula One fan, has gone to Formula One races all over the world. And he was saying that, no, he goes, the amount of the amount of extra pomp and circumstance for this was 
way over the top compared to every other event. Every other event has like a couple little things, get in the car and drive. They didn't have like the huge celebrity walking the pits and No, they do that every time now. I've watched mm-hmm. a couple of the races this season. They do it every single time now. Uh, he said it was more this time. And so. Fox tried to do it with their NASCAR stuff. And it's it's terrible. It's like um so like right, so like cringe comedy, right? The first person who really did it was like Tom Green show, right? Kinda sure. I think. And then the office show popularized cringe comedy. But this Martin Brundle gridwalk is not supposed to be cringe yeah. comedy. And it, it is so cringy. Every yeah. single time I've seen it. Yeah. It's like what is that? It's all completely unplanned. Like he's just wandering around. It's not even like like if you watch stuff at the Oscars or something, they have like red carpet stuff. Like people know what's happening. Celebrities like walk up to the people and they know they're going to be interviewed. This is just the guy randomly bumbling around looking for celebrities. So I guess there's another issue with with what happened because also in talking talking to Ron about this, he says that the grid walk that is done on the Formula One official broadcast is a little less cringy because the guy's walking around with a microphone that says Formula One. So everybody knows that he's official. The problem here is all these celebrities are not car people. They're not race car people. So when Martin Brundle walks up there, nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows that he's a legendary Formula One driver. Nobody knows he's a legendary commentator. Nobody knows who he is. And his microphone literally just says star or something on it, whatever the network is that's broadcasting it in the United States. Sky. Right? A sky, whatever. Yeah. So nobody knows what that is. So nobody gives him the time of day. So my favorite part of that whole entire thing was <laughs> ultra cringy, but he walks up to Shaq and Shaq completely ignores him. And Martin under his breath just basically says, man, I've had a good career. It's fine. This, this can be the end of it. It's over. <laughs> this, this, is not, this, is, this is how it ends. It's fine. It's been a long run. <laughs> well, I think it was in Texas or something. He's, he mistakes someone for someone else. And that was a huge thing too. Sure. Because he's also not a celebrity guy. He shouldn't be talking to celebrities. <laughs> when he talks to race car drivers, crew chiefs, team owners, race car stuff, he's great. But he has nothing to talk to Shaq about or Steve Aoki about or any of these people he doesn't barely know. So it would just be like you or me trying to interview Steve Aoki. Like, hey, Steve, heard you like playing records. Where are you playing records now? That's basically he's what he said standing there. Him. And behind him, you can see Jackie Stewart. Like, go talk to him. Yeah. But yeah, but that's not what the network wants. The network wants the celebrities that are big in America, right? Because that's what they're trying to they're trying to do. So All right. So what what time did the race start for you? Like what time did the coverage start for you? So coverage started around nine PM. Um the official coverage, like with with Martin and um Danica Patrick and Jensen Button started at 10. So midnight for yeah. you, I think. I yeah, thought that's when the I race on. started at 10. That's why I turned it on at 10, but it was not. It was I, the pre-race stuff. I thought it started at midnight. I turned it on at midnight. I was like, what is happening here? Like, we watched a movie beforehand. Right. I knew it was going to be on late. I had an espresso. <laughs> it's like... Um, well, we were watching the, the um, National Geographic special about jfk 
that new one that oh. just came out because it's the 70th anniversary or 60th anniversary, oh, I should say. Ironically, I watched the uh, uh, Michael Fassbender movie about being an assassin. So. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we were watching that and I turned it off a little early to make sure I caught the coverage because I thought the race is going to start at 10 and then I was pissed because I could have just finished watching the JFK documentary. So anyway, yeah, I watched that whole hour of cringeworthy coverage. Um, if I had to hear one of them say, this is the Super Bowl of auto racing again, I was going to throw something at my television because famously <laughs> the Daytona 500 is called the Super Bowl of auto racing. <laughs> famously, the Indy 500 is called the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, of both of them are. But I think Daytona <laughs> has been called it more than Indy has. Um probably just because nascar started doing it first so but anyway it's again no, that's really I, no i definitely nascar called it the super bowl of oh uh, i'm gonna say the indy 500 is older no indy 500 is the oldest continuous running car race period but nascar started saying the uh, daytona 500 is the super bowl of, of auto racing well before anybody called indy that so it's nascar marketing stuff right Anyway, but what bothered me about this was the crazy amount of pomp and circumstance behind all of it. It was just a race in the season. It was not a championship race. It's not it's a the F1 brand first race. Yeah, I just think it was over the top for the American market more so than usual. Um, so, and then it's like, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, however, when they got, oh yeah, so it's all this like build up and I was sitting there with Stephanie. I'm like, yeah, this is only for like 50 laps. She's like what? I'm like, yeah, it's like yeah. 50 laps long. It's like super short. Yeah. The <laughs> fact that there's no like support races is weird. That was weird too. There um, should be something. It's so I, I guess they did it late at night. So there wouldn't be really bad traffic, but also if you did it during the day, it would have looked disgusting because vegas vegas sorry vegas vegas is uh gross during the day yeah uh it only looks cool with all the lights on yeah vegas in daytime is is uh filled with regrets of being in vegas yeah you're like no thanks there's a reason that all the hotels are resort style hotels because you don't want to go outside during the day so no it's and don't, I I like going there every once in a while, but it's I only like going out at night because yeah. <laughs> like during the day you're like this stinks. Yeah. yeah, no, there's no reason to go to Vegas unless it's an event in Vegas. I listen. Yeah. There there are there are Vegas people. There are people who like to go to Vegas. Um, I think that it's a definitely a bigger thing on the East Coast in the cold areas like the Northeast because it's a super cheap getaway to a warm place in the wintertime. There's so many packages and you can get there and just it's just a place to go. Uh, I think it's less popular for a vacation for people in like Phoenix because we have it's kind of like Phoenix, just six hours away. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of the same. Like we yeah. have casinos here. We have resorts here. We have all the same stuff. So um, I think it's a little less popular because we're not trying to escape the cold here. We're embracing the cold because we're the same climate as Vegas, but. It's um, kind of like how uh, I don't often go to New York City because it's not that much different. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Might as well just go to Boston. Like if I want to yeah. stay in a resort, I can just go to Scottsdale. If I want to go to a casino, I can just go to 
also but anyway like <laughs> what i did like was and i realized it like halfway through the race uh there was no commercials during the entire race i was like okay yep this that. part's cool whatever they pulled off to make that work was totally cool no commercials at all yeah um and then the actual racing uh like I watched some races earlier this year that were absolute snooze fests and uh, yep. this was decently exciting. Yeah. There was a lot of passing. The last 10 laps were amazing. The Ferrari of Leclerc and the second, uh, th- uh, third place car of somebody else changing places like five times over 10 laps is pretty amazing. That's there not was a F1 lot like at all. Yes. There was a lot of movement around for F1. Um, I don't really understand the pit stops. (laughs) It's like really weird. What do you mean? Uh, Like there's no, my gripe is that there's no athleticism to the pit stops. There's no challenge. That's it's not like they've really taken the challenge of it out. Sure. Like the point, literally the car drives in and there's 30 guys. Yep. 25, 30. Like there's a lot of guys around the, the car. Sure. Each person does one thing. And like I I like I watched a couple and I was I mean I was kind of sleepy because it was late, but I was like, they just changed the tires? Like that was like so fast. Like what happened? Yeah, you blink and it's over. It was like that's like weird. Yeah. And they're like the crew members were standing like stand like robots. They like come in and like they just like swap the tires. It was like it was, it was like really bizarre. I, I mean, I guess the difference is so we're used to watching, you know, a NASCAR pit stop where it's five or six guys. The guy have, have multiple to jump jobs. over the wall. But I think that the difference is like nobody screwed up, but it's be, that's why they stand like robots because they have to operate like robots. And the fact that they can be that efficient and that quick and not make a mistake is impressive in its own right. The fact that the pit stop can be done less than three seconds is super impressive and i don't know if it's a lack of athleticism i think it's a lack of display of athleticism but i'm yeah, sure there's certain boring yeah it's 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 clinical and that's i think that's the whole issue i have with f1 as a general sport is that it's too clinical there's too there's too much predictability there's too much sameness all the time um whereas there's a lot more chaos in other forms of racing and yeah, like it's chaos. It's weird too that you have like three different tire compounds, and it's like, oh, I'm playing, you know, racing video games. I'm like, oh, that's where all these video game designers get that idea then of the hard, sure. medium, soft tire. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's the same as um, rally cars have different compounds they can use yeah, during the races. They do. Too, but... I mean, but whatever. It's, it's... F, listen, F one is the is the pinnacle, right? It's the top level. It doesn't get any higher than that. They're the highest paid drivers, the highest budget teams, you know, the most technology, all that stuff. It's it's bound to become clinical when you have that amount of tech and that amount of money going into something. Like these teams roll in and they they basically build a town for their pits area. Like they have I don't know if you have watched the video of these RVs that they have that open up that are like bigger than your house when they're all opened up like four floors tall like offices and gyms and you know, they probably have swimming pools in them for all i know but they're absolutely ridiculous 
and the amount of time and effort and money that goes into this, it just, it becomes clinical. It becomes almost, it almost not for the people, I think is what I'm thinking of here. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's the people who are really into it, a lot of them and not all of them. So please don't come at me with this, but a lot of them are into it because of the off track stuff. You know, the on track stuff is neat and exciting, but it's secondary to the whole spectacle of what F1 is, you know, and that's what, you know, old school fans will talk about the drive to survive effect, right? This TV show came out and it made the whole thing kind of a soap opera. And that's what's really driven a lot of the success that F1 has had the past few years in the United States specifically. It's probably the entire reason there is a Vegas race this year, I'm sure, is 100% because of the success of Drive to Survive. So it's it's a whole different thing that we don't know, you know, and NASCAR doesn't really have as much of that. You know, we are obviously have rivalries and battles on track and, you know, different people don't like other people, but it's less of an important part of the whole thing as in F1. It seems to be a, a pretty big part of it. So I don't know. I, I I genuinely enjoyed the race. Um, I was super impressed with the lighting. Like, yeah, it was super bright and well. Yeah, lit. like the racetrack itself was so bright, and the racing surface was so bright. And then immediately on the other side of the wall, it was dark as night. So they did a really good job managing the lighting, making it almost look like it was daytime. Um, I think it's sparks were cool. Sparks were super cool. Um, that sphere little... thing is weird as hell. Yeah, well, that's, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I don't get it. Like it literally looks fake. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't. Not a fan. Uh, whatever. It's Vegas, <laughs> man. It's it's just a ridiculous place. Uh, the the fact that they they set this whole entire thing up, like you said, for fifty laps, just seems so over the top. So they signed a ten year contract. It's a five-year so, contract with a possibility to extend to 10 years. Yep. But so, that building the pits, are the paddock is permanent. Correct. Yeah, they, they bought... They, they built they, that. Yeah, for like they bought a piece of property for like $2 billion or something. Absolutely astronomical to build that there. So that will be there all the time. My assumption is there'll be like... Fan, yeah, fan, like fan things to go see when you're in Vegas. Because again, Vegas obviously a huge tourist place, so I'm sure that will be an attraction all year. And then as the race comes up, it'll be for the racing. So I don't know, wild, wild stuff. It's wild that it exists. It's wild they can go into a town, close off the streets, and I mean, I know IndyCar does it, and other race series do it too. It just and with all of them, it blows my mind. So. Um, I, but I did enjoy it. It was it was fun, uh, even though it was over at God. Was it three three in the morning for you when it was over? Because I think it was one o'clock here when it finished. Yeah, so, it was it was late. Yeah, I know it was strange being up watching something on TV and communicating with friends on the East Coast that were still awake. <laughs> but Talking it to was you and Bradley I, and some others. It was a decent race. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's. Maybe I'll watch another one. I'll try it again. I don't know that I'm going to get into it. I don't have time to get into it. <laughs> I'm dedicated to NASCAR already. <laughs> I tried to watch more IndyCar races this year, and just the time is just 
it's just time, right? There's only so much time in a week. The the thing is, the IndyCar racing is like a lot better because there's more cars. There's a lot more cars. There's a lot more passing. There's a lot more action on track all the time. Yeah, it's it's like open wheel NASCAR. This is and I mean, I even saw I caught a couple of clips of Formula Three because they're running at Macau the same weekend, yep. which is also a street circuit surrounded True. by casinos. Yep, absolutely. Um, That's an old race, though. Yeah, and they were uh, like, they were passing like indie cars, like ton of them on track, tons of movement. So I don't. It's like Formula One. So that's what's so strange to me about it. It's like everybody has a two car team. They like go out. Some of them are real garbage. You're like, I don't even understand how this team is in it because it seems like they're really terrible and awful. Uh, And then you've got like, or it's just that the one. Red Bull team is just so much better than everybody else. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to be. They seem to be the best. I know before the race even started, everybody said that Verstappen was going to win. And what happened? Verstappen won. So. Yeah. And he's, he's like a real jerk, <laughs> it seems. Yeah. It's, he's definitely a love him or hate him character. So I don't think that he's a jerk. I think he's just callous. Like he doesn't have any like. He's almost like non-appreciative that he's there. <laughs> like he's just, yeah, I'm here. This is my job. Get away. I got, I got a job to do. So. Very strange. Uh, yeah, it's a whole, it's a very strange thing. I, I, I'm not regretful for having watched it. I'm glad I watched it. Um, it was enjoyable to watch, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to become a huge Formula One fan because of it, which is I'm sure what they're hoping. And obviously I think another big issue is, just the, the price of admission to go to these American events is is so high. Um, the ticket prices are high. The hotels locally are high. Like everything is just thousands of dollars to go to one. In fact, I was talking again to Ron yesterday about this, uh, who's gone to races in Europe. And he said that for his entire trip to go watch a race at Spa and like sit on like one of the most iconic corners and corners in motorsports, and factor in hotel and airfare and race tickets and everything. It costs less for that trip than it would have to go to the drive to Vegas from here and watch that race. So, well, the other problem with I have with Formula One is that uh, it's sports washing. They really love going to Middle Eastern countries because they'll pay for it. Sure, that have questionable human rights stuff. So. Sure. Like Vegas. Not a fan of that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, very true. It's up there with FIFA, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just as corrupt, it seems, as as FIFA. Yeah. So, so I mean, similar, similar vibes. You know, football is a huge sport everywhere else. Football. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So other than F1 was a busy weekend for car stuff here in the Phoenix area. Uh, before I take off into my uh, whole weekend of stuff, was there anything going on out there, Andrew? Absolutely not. Nothing. Sweet. That totally, I will feel totally quiet. unguilty about taking all the time explaining I, everything that happened here. I did stuff, but it would be, I'll talk about it on the next episode of Scale Autocast because it, it had to do with all that. <laughs> I was organizing uh, and putting stuff on display. Excellent. So I had planned to do even more things than I did, but we had a rare 
uh, rainstorm here. <laughs> it rained pretty heavily Saturday morning. I woke up in order to go to four till four for shakedown and I'm not above going in the rain, but it was a absolute torrential downpour thunder and lightning storm. So I, uh, figured I'd, I'd skip this one. <laughs> Didn't need to go figure out, take, take that as a sign to uh, stay in bed and actually get a little rest and relaxation on a Saturday morning. So I missed shakedown. Uh, also, because of that, I missed the Scottsdale Vintage Motorcycle Show. But what I didn't miss was good guys. I was giving you an opportunity to say, okay, Boomer, but you didn't do it. So, No, I, I don't know. Are you a good guy? Are you a good guy? Are you a good guy? I don't know where the name came back. You sure about that? <laughs> um, it was... Uh, it was a lot more than I expected. Um, I think the car count was down based on the fact the day had started as a rainy day, but it's a destination show like a Radwood. So people come from all over and out of town and, you know, people who aren't local are going to still make it to this thing. And the weather cleared up enough by like 11 that people did come out. I mean, I don't know. I'm imagining it. It's not, is it a billet show? Like, like billet hot rods? It's a trend show for sure. Okay. So the the main... So think think of a Radwood. Um, and for anybody who hasn't been to Radwood, bear with us. Radwood has the Radwood royalty parking area. Okay. And then the regular attendee parking area. It's very similar. So it has like a featured parking area where cars are parked with a ton of space in between them and kind of often displays in different ways. Uh, and those cars are all feature cars, and they're all featured for different reasons, uh, whether they're like the the hot rod of the year or the you know under thirty builder of the year or all that kind of stuff is separated in big open areas, and then everything else is parked like a normal car show, kind of just lined up in parking spots where there's room or fanned out a little bit in the grassy areas. So there's a little bit of everything. So if I'd gone to this show in 1995, it certainly would have been full of billet cars. Okay. Billet cars are passe, so there aren't that many of them. Uh, One of the vendors was a billet steering wheel vendor, so that does exist still. Um, But overall, uh, just like any show, there's going to be some cars that you look at and you chuckle and go, not for me. And there's going to be some cars that you look at and you're like, that's rad. And some cars you look at and your jaw is just going to drop. So it's hard to guess how many cars there were because of how they were laid out. But I'd say there were probably three or 400 cars um, just based on where they were parked. There was definitely space for three times that. So I don't know if normally there are three times that in cars and just the weather kind of kept a lot of cars away. Um, I know good guys has had a pretty big shift lately into trying to attract more and younger crowd. Uh, I guess if you went five or six years ago, it was, uh, pretty evident that the crowd was entirely of advancing ages and there wasn't much else coming out because they had a pretty strict rules for getting into good guys. Uh, but now it's any car pre-2000, which 
seems pretty open, but I mean, there's definitely some self-policing there. Most cars are going to be what fits in there, you know, hot rod muscle car theme. There were a few other cars that were outside of theme. Um, I did count five Japanese vehicles there, which made me a little happy. And I kind of hatched this big plan um, that I was talking to, to some other Japanese car friends that maybe next year we all just kind of go together because all of our cars are eligible and kind yeah. of park together and kind of show the good guys like uh, another side of the hobby. No, because um, your Cressida can definitely be done in a Moon Eye style. Uh, yeah, the Corolla, the plan with the Corolla is to do it Moon Eye style, but the Cressida yeah. is probably the car I took there. Yeah, for sure. So I think that uh, that might be the plan next year because as a spectator, the event was a little expensive. Um, looking online, I thought it was 23 bucks, and that was it. So I drove down there. When I got there, it was $28, which is not cheap. Um, but they also charged $10 to park, which annoyed me because you're parking on the property of the place that's hosting the show. So they're kind of double dipping, but anyway. Um, and to enter a car, it's like $45 for the day. And then you get to drive right into the show, and that includes people in your car with you. And also, if you drive a car in, you can bring a cooler with beverages. So you don't have to pay the exponential amounts of money for food and drinks that are in there. So it would save a lot of money bringing a car to the show. So I think next year I'm going to bring a car, and I'm going to try to get a bunch of other Japanese car guys to also bring a car. So it should be a little bit different next year. But overall, it's a great show. Uh, big vendor area. Everything from, you know, die cast vendors to whole entire chassis manufacturers, like the uh, the hot rod guys, like um, try to think of the name of some of the chassis companies now, and I can't think of them top of my head. But, you know, the ones you can buy like an entire, you know, independent suspension chassis for like a 57 Chevy, that kind of thing. Is like guys were... Art Morrison like too expensive? There you go. Yeah, okay. there you go. Art Morrison. Uh, those, those, those kind of chassis. No, I mean, all those chassis companies are, you know, 30000 bucks or whatever for big dollar builds. But so that kind of stuff was there. Um, there was a huge outdoor flea market, which reminded me of an old school flea market from like our youth, where there was like tables of just garbage, rusty car parts that you need to know what you're looking at to want to buy them. Uh, tables of old toys from the 60s through the 80s. Uh, I did take a picture of a guy who was selling a collection of diecast buses um, that were terrible and from the 80s, and they were country music stars on the side of them. I forgot to send that to you. I'll just send that to you later. Um, it was just a... Uh, uh, were the Eagles? I think I have one. Uh, they're made by the by the, the company Ertl. I don't... They're like 164th-ish oh. scale. Actually, probably much smaller. They were terrible. They were definitely toys, but they were all like 80s country stars on the side of these buses. It was like country haulers or something. Um, it was terrible. I took a picture for you and then forgot to send it to you. But overall, the the level of cars there was pretty wild. A lot of cool stuff. Um, uh, country Coach Collectibles. That was the name of them. So I don't even know the name. I, these, these singers are way outside my purview of knowledge. Lee Greenwood, Riders in the Sky, and TJ Shepard. They're tour buses. So, um, anyway, I'll send it to you later. Um, the, the quality of cars is great. Variety was great. There are a few Japanese cars. There are more German cars than Japanese cars. A lot of guys with like cow look style Beetles. There was yeah. a 
early 9-11 that was done up like full cow look style beetle that was super cool we had a bunch of pictures of to share later um tons of patinaed lowered 50s and 60s cars which is my current favorite favorite aesthetic uh there was a boss 302 mustang that was an original paint patinaed car that was just super killer i could go on all day about the cars that were there it was it was super rad it was neat to be at an event that was different than what i'm used to going to because i'm you know obviously we've been going to japanese car shows and and radwoods and, and participating in in that kind of stuff for most of our adult lives and we've kind of gotten away from the 50s 60s early 70s stuff so it was neat to kind of go back into that um it's also cool because while the car show is going on there's also an autocross and the autocross is in a big you know obviously open area and there was everything competing in the autocross i don't think that there's a year cut off because i saw a tesla out there but most of the stuff is muscle cars um or there are a couple of 240z's uh one mini cooper but like there's a you know ford falcon with some bbs style mesh wheels and some real wide first gen camaros and just some really rad stuff out in the autocross course so that was that was pretty cool and i guess people follow this tour all over the country and go to all their shows and they have competitions that like it's like a like a points competition over the year for the autocross if you you know win all of the autocrosses or build all your points in all the different events in different places that's you know, you win some prize at the end of the year. And the like, hot rod of the year is the good guy's hot rod of the year. And that was there. It's a vehicle that I've been following the build on the internet for a while. Uh, I think it's called the St. Christopher. It's a 34 Ford with like multicolored paint scheme and a Hemi. And it's absolutely wild build. Um, it's just really neat stuff. Really neat stuff. So if it comes to your town, I highly recommend going. Uh, you definitely won't be bored for an entire day. I, I said I, I do wish I went earlier in the day and I hadn't been rained out in the morning because I, I definitely didn't see everything. And I would have liked to have sat and watched some of the autocross stuff because it's not like an SCCA autocross. It's a pretty big open course with some pretty high speeds and some pretty neat cars. So then there's stands for spectating. And I think that, uh, again, it was affected by the rain, but super rad, super rad experience. Highly recommended. Uh, fast forward to Sunday, and we had our South Mountain Classic JDM Roundup, which is our local little Japanese informal gathering. It's not—I wouldn't call it a show. It's just a, it just a kind of a one step above a cars and coffee, maybe. Um, the typical people were out for that. Um, had the crawler out. Had a couple other Corolla people were there. Uh, Ron brought a Starion out. Just all the local, the local good stuff. We probably had it say somewhere between fifty and seventy-five cars for a few hours of nice fall time Phoenix weather at the base of South Mountain. So always a good time. I do have some pictures to share uh, in the near future. I didn't have, didn't take a lot of pictures. Don't have a lot of really pretty shots, but I do have some stuff to document that I was there. So that also happened this weekend. And then also this weekend, I tore down the Eclipse. Yeah, how'd that go? Had I had the valve cover off last time we recorded? No. Okay. So 
first things first, obviously, take the valve cover off. The rocker arms on the number, that's number four, right? On that side, the right side, left side, I mean. The timing belt? It's number one. Number one? Okay. Yeah. So the number one piston on the intake side, the two rocker arms were just laying in the bottom of the head. So that's a clear sign that at least those two rocker arms, oh, sorry, those two uh, valves, excuse me, are bent because they don't obviously have enough tension to hold the rocker arms in place. Because unlike, you know, an older American, you know, car with an arm that holds, or a rod that holds the rocker arms on, these are just held on by pressure. <laughs> so when there's not enough pressure, they fall off. So those fell off. Um, the That's sign number one. So I know now that I'm not going to be able to get away with just slapping a belt on it, which obviously we didn't think was going to be the case anyway, but you always have that in the back of your mind hope, right? So but that obviously sealed the fate of that one. Uh, so I continue to tear the car down. Uh, I will say that I'm sure if I do it again, hopefully on a different 4G63 car, not this one, uh, it's it'll hopefully be easier the second time because there's a big learning curve on these. I've I've never I've never dove into one myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a little bit of stuff with the one with you on my old Gallant. I don't think we ever actually had the head all the way off, or did we? I don't remember. It's yeah, funny. we took it all the way off. Okay, but I don't but remember. It was also like five years ago, so more so than long that. ago. It's probably and ten years you ago. You were now. there, and you were there, and you were experienced. It was would have been twenty sixteen. And you were there, and you're experienced in it, so you were helping along, and there were some things that I probably don't remember because I didn't do them because you did them. So in digging into this, I will say I certainly miss working on 70s stuff because I can have the head off on like the 2.6-powered Mitsubishis or the 1.6-powered Colt in like an hour. (laughs) This took significantly longer than an hour. I'd say if I, it was over three nights time, I did it. I'd say probably a couple hours at a time. Um, I probably could have done it faster, like I said, now knowing what I know. But there's a lot of stuff under the hood of a more modern fuel-injected 4G63 car than an early carbureted Mitsubishi for sure. So it's just, it's all about knowing the order of operations you take things off in, right? And I think most of my time was spent, like, stepped back, you know, hand on my chin, rubbing my chin, thinking what has to go here to go here to do this to do that. So um, the biggest debate, internal debate I was having was, do I leave the intake manifold on the car? Or do I take it all off as an assembly with the head? Because leaving it on the car meant I could leave a lot more things plugged in. But It's a lot easier to take it off with it. But leaving it on the car also meant I had to fish under it to get the bolts off where it attaches to the back of the head. Which, can you reach those from the bottom of the car? I didn't look when I was under there. Uh, you probably could, but it's... I mean, you don't typically need to change that intake in the car like there's no reason why you would you would right so it's easier just to take it with the head i would have even taken it with the exhaust manifold too and done that on the bench but 
So I considered taking it with the exhaust manifold, but then I was looking at the flange where the exhaust manifold meets the, the front pipe, and I decided it was better off just to separate it. Yeah. Head. So um, actually, all those bolts, believe it or not, came loose. So all the bolts in the exhaust manifold came loose with a six-inch long um, wrench. Like, they didn't fight me at all. Mm-hmm. Um I soaked them a couple of times before I started doing the work with some PB blaster. So maybe that helped. Maybe it just helped that it's a, not a new England car, <laughs> but I didn't have any problem with any of the bolts on the car at all. Um, the only issue I ran into was the head bolts themselves were a little difficult because they're like a 12 point head bolt. That's what I was trying to remember if they were 12 point or six point factory. No, they were a 12 point factory. Okay, um, that's I couldn't remember because yeah. I knew I put head studs in both of mine, which are twelve point yeah. um, nuts. But yeah, that's now I'm remembering that's we had to get a special socket for that. <laughs> well, I, I have a twelve point socket, um, so it worked. But at first, I was trying to use a six point, and that was a bad a bad idea. So no, they don't fit. No, doesn't fit. <laughs> No. I was super frustrated trying to figure out what you can size use a 12 on a six, was. but not a six on a 12. Correct. Um, so thankfully I did have a 12 point socket, so I was able to get them off. It's funny because I have 12 point. So I had originally I had impact sockets on there cause I wanted to use my half inch, my half inch drive tools. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the impact cause I don't want to ruin these things, but I want to use the impact socket so I can use my half inch, you know, a wrench. Um, but that didn't wind up working out because not only were they a six point socket, but the wall of the socket is so thick because their impact that didn't fit between yeah. the the bolt and the, the space allowed for the bolt with the, the cam towers are. So it did not work out. I had to go to the, the cheaper, narrower sockets, but it worked out. So it's fine. So um, I'm assuming those are non-reusable. I'll have to get new ones. So I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, buy new ones anyway. Yeah, I would price out the price of new ones versus just buying the head studs because if they're sure. very similar, the head studs actually make it easier because you can just drop the head down over them. It doesn't move around. The gasket's oh, not going to shift on you. Lines everything up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a valid it's, point. It's a little overkill for an NA, but it makes assembly easier. Oh, well, it makes so in the future somebody could turbo it if they wanted to and know it's know that it's there, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, so that so long story short, I did take the head off with the um exhaust uh, sorry, the intake manifold attached. Thank you for reminding me in a message about the bracket that supports the back of the intake manifold to the block. Yeah, you would have been fighting with that forever. I would have forgotten about that and I would have been super frustrated. <laughs> Uh, even even saying that, I took that bracket off from the block and I left it attached to the bottom of the head. And then as I was trying to pull it up, it was still attached to something. And there's... It's all vacuum it looks, lines. Uh, also, though, on the bottom of that bracket is the connector for the... I think it's the crank sensor? The no. The it looks, is that going to the starter? It looks sensor, like somebody... Maybe? There was no knock sensor in the NA car. Uh, in the picture, to me, it looked like it was the exciter wire for the starter going through there. Like somebody no. routed it through that bracket for some reason. 
No, 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 no. This is a factory mount on the bottom of the bracket that has a connector for some kind of sensor. It's in the block. On the back side of the block. So it's some, I know it's not a cam sensor because that, or crank sensor because that's all done with the. It's in the middle of the back of the, the block? Of the head. It's in the middle of the back of the block, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a knock sensor. I thought we discovered that NA cars did not have knock sensors. Well, this one does. So Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know it was there. Um, and the, the harness from that, the pigtail side, is actually mounted to the bottom of that bracket. So I couldn't get it off. I had to actually take the bracket. I want to see a picture of that when you get a chance. Yeah, I can take a picture of it. Of the sensor in the block. I want to see it. Yeah, that's fine. Because if it's a big it's, hexagon sensor with like, it is. Yes. with potting in it, that's a knock. Yes. That's weird. I yes, didn't think that they, any cars had that. It's like the black. It's like the a hexagon shaped black thing in the back of the head. And the top of it or the end of it is like shiny black, like silicone looking. Yeah, that's called potting. Yeah, so it's got weird. a wire thing coming off of it. Maybe so. Usually, when those fail, like the the goop, the potting like goops out, okay. pours out, like melts eventually. But no, it's definitely there. So maybe it's a Euro market thing. Maybe it's a later model NA. Yeah, thing. strange. But it's definitely there. So huh. I didn't know it was there, and I went to take the head off, and I was like, "What is still stuck?" Yeah, because I wouldn't have expected it to be I, there. And then I almost probably I almost probably broke it trying to get the super thing off. And I'm glad I didn't because I know there's not. Yeah, they're real right. hard to get right now. Yeah. So. so glad I didn't break it. But anyway, so yeah, that was there as well. But so long story short, the head is off. Um, unfortunately, I'm headed to a family gathering for Thanksgiving. So I won't be able to do anything else from this point forward until after the holiday. Uh, but I do have the name of a local shop that has done a ton of 4G63 work for uh, former guest of the show and friend of the show, Josh from Adventure Driven Design, uh, and our mutual friend, Keith Roper, the Gallant VR4 rally car driver. So he uh, is all set up for doing 4G63 cylinder heads. So Josh says just to bring it to him, be like, hey, this is what happened. Tell me exactly what I need to buy. And he'll tell you exactly what you need to buy and no more. And uh, he's pretty knowledgeable and should be able to turn around hopefully pretty quickly. The so um, be down too long. So it looks like they all the valves kiss the pistons though, but the pistons every right. single valve hit the piston. Zero question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a mark from all, all of them. All yeah, you can see where it like broke through the carbon. Yep, middle shiny um, spot. One of them looks worse than the rest, but yeah. it doesn't look bad. I think so you, I think you might be service. fine with those, because you're. It's not turbo. You're not gonna get hot spots. No, everybody says they're fine. Yeah, everybody you can soak them with WD forty. I'm going to clean uh, them. Yes, and then yeah, the carbon will come off. Yep. Yeah, I'm going uh, to clean and, them, and just double check in with the carbon all cleaned up. Um, I'll have to find. I've got the part number somewhere for the the Mitsu. Uh, multi-layer head gasket. It's a factory yep. part. It's three yeah, layers. I'm going to buy the three-layer metal head gasket, and I'm going to buy the uh, carbon Kevlar belts. So, yep. Um, and I you can might be see able to... down inside the timing cover, the balance belt is in the wrong place. A piece of it is. Yeah. So the balance belt's definitely broken, unfortunately. I'm not sure what happened there yet. But I yeah, I, you got to take the covers off. I have to off. pull the side covers off to do anything else. 
and taking the side covers off involves jacking the car up, taking the wheel off, taking the inner fender liner out and going from in there. Cause all the crank pull, the crank pulleys got to come off all the, you know, other pulleys have to come off. The belts have to come off. I just haven't had a chance to do that. At yet, least so. with a manual transmission, you can put it in gear and break that crank pulley full uh, free. True. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What else? The, only other thing no, the big, the big thing's is... gonna be the big thing's gonna be head gasket. I need a new timing cover because mine is. Yeah, I gotta try to use one. I think I don't think they're available anymore. Are the two G ones different? Lowers? I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to double check. I, off the top of my head, I don't know. They could be close. Because I was looking um, last night, and there's brand new two G ones on the market. We'll so, have to ask around. I yeah, you might be able to, or people have them. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, there's you want to do a water pump too. Theory. Yeah, I'm gonna do a water pump. Another working theory, unfortunately, is that possibly my problem was entirely caused by pieces of the timing cover. Um, there's a big like boss in the middle of it. That's I noticed that was broken yeah. and missing. So if that actually cracked and fell down into the timing mechanism, that would certainly have caused a, a ruckus down there. So that could be a part of it too. So I need to, I should replace that piece. The thing's broken in multiple places. It's actually cracked from top to bottom along the backside. Um, it's once it bolts off, it's going to come out, it's, it's going to come out of the car in like 37 different pieces. So I yeah. Um, yeah, it's not I too wish bad. I made but... like an upgraded metal one, but, I'm, you know, hopefully, I'm thinking about now. If somebody's got a good one, they should really scan 3D it scan and it, 3D print it, yeah, and 3D print it. Well, it's I possible. know the technology exists now, for sure. Well, I know there's companies out there. I know for Hondas, like the K Series guys, they can buy an aftermarket one that's metal, so it lasts forever. Yeah, um, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that. It, listen, it might exist for 4G63 stuff. It's been so long since I've played in this field here that I don't even know. It, so, yeah, I don't know. I I keep up to date with a lot of stuff. I haven't seen that yet. Yep, I've seen other stuff. So, certainly not impossible to exist, but maybe not yet. So, yeah. Anyway, made though. It's uh, I'm 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 getting through it. I'm taking my time. Um, thankfully, I did that big project on the Porsche, like couple days before so that gave me a little bit of extra confidence going into this um so i just i haven't done something like this by myself ever the you know other I've, I've always relied on you and, and your dad have always been around to help me with these big projects so moving three thousand miles away from you short of buying you a plane ticket to come help me it's uh it's been a little a little bit different but i do have some support out here like i said i had josh and i got keith and some other guys and actually i was actually a third event that I went to this weekend was um, the Pavs Saturday Night Show. Yeah, and there were two one Gs there. Um, one was a white Talon that looked pretty built, and the other was this dude who uh, I know through the internet only. Uh, he goes by Issa DSM. He's local out here. Uh, I don't think I think you follow him too, but he's got a, a first gen Eclipse. And he's constantly buying and selling first gen eclipses and second gen eclipses. And uh, he actually puts them back on the road and sells them. So he does does the world a service. 
but um, he has tons and tons and tons of parts from cars he's parted out over the years. So he's uh, he's already offered me some good valves and some stuff. So that's a, a good connection to have. So I know him from the internet, met him for the first time in person, so that was cool. Yeah. So. The only other thing that's tricky, uh, the valve cover, There's the bolts are like tiny, that bolt, the valve cover to the head. Yep. Uh, and it is possible it happened on my Galant engine. You can pull the threads out of the head. So I have one of them that's questionable. Yeah. Because I recently did the valve cover gasket. Not recently, like a year and a half ago, probably. Yeah. Because if you remember, I had a really nasty uh, oil leak on the driver's side of the engine, so the mm-hmm. belt side. Um, and I fixed that with a, with a new valve cover gasket. So the right front corner bolt, you can kind of like, you can hand tighten it. But if you go beyond hand tight, it just pulls back out again. So... Yeah, you can get a heel can, coil for those. Can, that's the yeah, that's the time to do it when it's that. out. Yeah, uh, and the you can tell the the guy that does the head work can probably do that for you. Sure. So, yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm I'm excited that that's as far as it is because you know anybody who's listened to the podcast long enough knows that uh, sometimes when things break, they get pushed in the backyard and never touched. Yeah. So the car, so like, I got the car home and. The number one thing was don't put it in the backyard, like literally park it in front of the garage with what's in the way and start working on it because I, I want to make sure I get it done. You know, I, I was planning on selling the car. Um, I'm sure that's why it broke because it was like, you're not going to sell me. Um, I don't know whether or not I'm going to sell it when I'm done. Um, obviously, it makes less financial sense to sell it now <laughs> because I'll be deeper into it financially. Um, I know that I talked about that last week about the value of the car versus what I'm into it for and all this. And um, I don't think that matters. I think that's like the price of using it. Sure. It that but way. it stings. It just stings. You know, somebody actually said, uh, sh- shame on you, Brad, for putting value on a passion project. And I was like, well, it's not, uh, it's not a passion project when you're actually trying to sell it and you're not actually modifying it. You're just fixing it. It's, it's no longer a passion project. Now it's just all dollars and cents. So we'll, we'll see what happens when I'm done with it. Um, I, I wanted to look into the upgraded uh, lifters as well. Oh yeah. Those aren't tick- expensive at all. Yeah. I want to get rid of the ticking. So yeah. I think that'll be a good upgrade. Um, and then a couple people have talked about doing turbo cams. But I'm not sure I want to do that. We'll see. Uh, if you get a good set of them, it's not a big deal. Supposedly livens the car up a lot. The car will probably compensate for it. It's not, you know, you're going to have to do like tuning. So Oh, yeah. It's 100% bolt and go. Um, yeah. And supposedly it wakes the car up a lot. You adjust the timing to compensate for it. And and the car is like a set of those with a, with a nice header, I guess, makes the car like a whole That's... different car. Kind of what I would do. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's 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 all cost dependent, Andrew. That's the thing. And if I do all that stuff, it's a slippery slope because then I'll be doing more body work, and I'll be doing this, and I'll be doing that, and you know how it goes. So I guess I think step one is get the car to the machine shop, we get the head to the machine shop, I should say, and just make sure everything's good, and uh, start pricing out parts because. While everything's not expensive, 
everything added together gets expensive. So, you know, it's 200 and some odd dollars for the Kevlar timing belt and another 100 and some odd dollars for the Kevlar balance belt and a couple hundred dollars machine work and then whatever cost of replacing valves and, and, and guides and whatever guides are probably cracked. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, and if I do cams, a couple hundred bucks in cams, I need to do a header, a couple hundred bucks in a header. It just, it, it, it snowballs quickly. <laughs> so you were talking about turboing it like last week. So I was, I was the cheap way to do it. I'm off, I'm off that train. Um, that was just, that was the, uh, the fresh in the brain. It's broken. I might as well turbo it brain, but I don't think I want to do that, but still it's, uh, it is what it is. Uh, one day at a time. I'm, I'm at the point that I'm at, you know, it's legitimately, I've only worked on it. I mean, we're recording early this week because Thanksgiving, it's only Monday night. Car's only been broken for a week. And it's already at the state where it's ready to go to the machine shop. So the fact that I've done that is a huge pat myself on the back moment. So I'm trying to trying to trying to look at it that way. It's it's a it's a rebuild the car and also build myself up as far as working on cars goes because again, I am a, a little bit more on my own than I have been before. I also should not end this without thanking Naomi for everything she's done so far to help me with it too. As I think I already did for coming and helping me get the car, but when it came time to lift the cylinder head off, that's not a one man job. Um, or I guess maybe it could be if I was ready to wrench my back out, but it was uh, made significantly easier with a second set of hands. So yeah, they're not light. It's probably like, no, especially, with, especially with the intake manifold on it. Yeah. It makes it, makes it super awkward. So yeah, it makes it awkward because when you, if you actually have the intake manifold off separately, it's like twenty pounds. It's not like it's not heavy at all, but it's right. just like hanging out, <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's a big counterweight. That's the problem. So when you put it back on, do you put the do you mount the intake manifold to the bracket first, or do you put it on the head and put the head back together? Uh, I'd put it on the head first. Okay, that's what I figured. Anyway, that's that's down the road. My assumption is my biggest delay is going to be the machine shop. I know most of them have a pretty hefty wait right now, so I'm not looking forward to having to wait for it, but it is what it is, right? So I can use that time that I'm waiting for at the machine shop to do the wheel bearings and the Porsche. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got to like, you do the water pump, uh, you know, there's My assumption is do. that stuff is that stuff's a you know one afternoon though it's not going to be weeks of waiting. So. Uh, yeah, it's true, but you can have it all set up and ready to go. Yeah, I intend on it. I intend on having all the parts here, everything ready to go, and uh, kind of get it together. I I have talked to uh, Josh about coming by on the day that I do the timing belt, just to uh, second set of eyes. I, I'd rather have. Somebody just check my work. You know what I mean? Because I'd hate to put yeah. it together wrong. So I think having somebody who's experienced with 4G63 stuff, who's done countless timing belts, um, come over and uh, just kind of walk me through it morally and uh, not morally. Uh, yeah, I guess morale. No, we're at morally. No, is that where we're going for? 
I don't know. I, I also have all mentally, the books. Mentally, that's the word I'm looking for. With all the specs for so. like torques and stuff. Yep. Yeah, I'll need I'll need that. The only book I have, I don't have the factory book. I have your factory electrical manual here, which I have to get back to you. Um, but I have just the Haynes manual, which is it's a good reference point, but it's not the Bible, obviously. So I think everything's online too, isn't it? So yeah, you got to look for them, but yeah, they exist. But I can also just go over to my shelf. That's why I kept them. Take pictures. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's where we're at. Um, like I said, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say it's the cars are broken for a week and it's already torn apart. So that's that's huge for me because, as you know, in the past, the car gets pushed in the backyard and I just buy another one. So, yeah. That's, uh... Um. So yeah, yeah. Living up to the uh, podcast description, though. I had it in there, broken time and belts. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I could live up to that. So, you you did mention in our in our Discord chat the other day that uh, oil soaked belt could cause the problem. Yeah. I didn't. I hadn't heard that before. But it's, oil swells it up. Okay. Maybe, hopefully not, but maybe. So, anyway, but yeah, it's cars cars apart. Uh, next steps machine shop. Unfortunately, I have a uh, a dead week here where I'm not going to be able to do anything, and then uh, we'll see what happens after this week. So, hopefully, at that point, it'll be it'll be good. So, I mean, you can strip the head down further, take the intake off. Yeah, no, that's that's done. Take that cam angle sensor off. Yeah, I pulled everything. Yeah, I pull everything off. That's fine. I'm gonna give it to him as, as light and bare as possible. So, anyway, that's all I get for this week, Andrew. Anything extra you want to uh, bring up or chat about? I don't have anything. Uh, you know, come join the Discord. It's fun stuff over there. Um, Always. We've got. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of it. Like, watch come the join the Discord. The only problem with the Discord. Is you don't need to listen to the show anymore because you'd know all this already. Yeah, but it's still fun <laughs> to hang out. Yeah, it's fun to hang out, yes. Uh the only other thing you like, if you've been listening for a while, you haven't done like a review. I haven't asked for this in a while. Go like do a review on your podcast app of choice. Help us get a few more listeners, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Five stars only, of course. Yeah, please. Uh I think we're we're talking about doing a Discord. Oh, speaking of Discord, we're talking about doing a Discord sticker special. So if you're a Discord member, we'll have stickers just for you. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'll be after the first year. Yeah, you sent over a sample to me of just different colors, but I think we should do something. Yeah. Maybe. But I'll only offer it to people in the Discord. Yeah. You know, just a little secret, secret, secret society. Won't cost anything. Secret auto auto off topic society. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to well, it'll cost me something to print them, but it won't cost you as a yeah. We'll Discord give those away <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As a, as a thanks for uh, supporting our little community. Um, speaking of other merch, we've uh, teased it for many years. Um, we had a couple times we sold some merch. We were very disappointed, and we're sorry if your T-shirt didn't come out properly from the vendor we chose last time. Um, but I am getting some new hats done. It's been a hot request. Uh, I am personally involved in making them so they will be perfect um and those will be for sale end of december or first of the year 
So I'll have those hopefully in my hands by next weekend. So look up for some hats. Uh, also some keychains will be involved in that process as well. Um, those will be a for sale item, uh, not a for profit for us just to cover our costs because they're not inexpensive to make. So I'm not going to give those away for free, but if somebody would like an auto off topic hat, we'd love to outfit your head with one. So keep an eye out for those. We'll figure out how we're going to, how we're going to sell them, but we'll, we'll make it work. So those are coming soon. But yeah, that's it. All right, cool. Find the podcast on uh, Instagram, Out Off Topic. Uh, off topic. I'm on Instagram, Race and Anger. Uh, also, we released an episode of Scale Autocast that is on YouTube under Scale Autocast. We finally That's did true. it. That's true. Um, is that, is that also be... on a podcast feed somewhere? No. Uh, you know, I we just should didn't... probably just release it on the Out Off Topic it... podcast feed and just put like, hey, bonus. I could do a bonus one for yeah. it. Um, I was just going to let it ride as a YouTube podcast because it helps to have the visual components. It, we do it uh, via video webcam so that you yep. can see the cars that we're talking about. So um, I think that's I the did, way it's going to uh, live. I did, yeah. I did watch it um, or some of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, I, I, I need to uh, upgrade my lighting for sure, especially when it flips from you to me because it's uh, nice and dark in here. Get yourself a, a ring light. Get a, I, I, I have one, but I didn't use it, so I'll use it. Get, for a, the next one. get a Brad fans account. That, yeah, hey, well, whatever, <laughs> whatever makes me money in 20. I, I, listen, I got to pay for this. Got to pay for the cylinder head somehow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there a beard, a beard fans account and a Brad fans I'll t- account? I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm uh, I'm hoping people will buy some hats, but that's all I'm selling. So nothing else. <laughs> just just uh, wearing yeah. the hat. Nope. No, no. This is uh, also wearing a shirt. Uh, life is good. Um, they can find me on Instagram at tsiss three five zero. You can find us on Instagram also at scale autocast. Uh, I am on sort of on Threads. I'm not really understanding it. I'm trying to figure it out. But I think it's very similar to the old Twitter, and I don't really understand that either. So I'll get there. So, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Anyway, that's it, Andrew. Cool. Yep. Keep cars analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>